Hi, everyone, and welcome to Elite Rugby SNC podcast. First off, if you haven't already, sign up and join Elite Rugby SNC today. We provide you with all your strength, conditioning, speed, and recovery needs. You can try before you buy, so try our seven day, $7 trial to get a taste of what we offer here at Elite Rugby SNC. Also, sign up to our newsletter and receive bonus content each and every single week. So, take your game to the next level, become a beast, and join our community today. So, good day, Ben. How are you? Yeah, really well. Uh, it's raining here, so perfect time to do a podcast. How are well, you? Yeah, I'm going well. Thanks. Not raining here. It's just a nice, um, beautiful evening here in Canberra. Cannot complain at all. Okay. So today we're going to be talking about game day priming strategies. So the use of as the use of exercise as a priming strategy to enhance sport performance is becoming increasingly popular in professional sports and also as an area of research. So what is your experience with um, game day priming, Ben? Yeah, so I've used it in several different places. So um, even club football to Australian under 20s to Brumbies 19s and 20s and the actual Brumbies team as well. Um, it's an interesting area and uh, well to get a good outcome. Mm. So for our listeners who don't know what game day priming is, what is it? Uh, so the idea of game day priming, you think um, we sort of have these peaks in our circadian rhythm early in the day. So you're looking for, say, things like testosterone and so forth um, early in the sort of the mid-morning. So particularly if you've got an afternoon game or you've travelled, and probably more in the professional setting, if you've got a later game. So you think of some of the games that are actually happening at 7.45 at night, which is when our, our circadian rhythms want to actually start winding down and our testosterone levels start coming down. So it's a way of, uh, of boosting hormone levels so that the decline happens later in the day. Um, and therefore, when you do that, you, you have an effect on performance. But it's not just a physical element, there's a psychological element as well. So that's, um, you can think sometimes people get a little bit nervous. It's a way of sometimes for them to burn off some nervous energy. The other one is if people are feeling quite sluggish, some, sometimes when you're actually uh, tapering your workload later in a week, uh, people feel quite slow and sluggish and they need a spark up and they feel better from that as well. So it's not just a physiological, it's a psychological benefit that transfers over, hopefully to get someone in the correct arousal level for their game. Okay. So the use of it is just trying to improve performance, but also improve readiness to perform. Yeah, correct. That's, you can't answer, did you improve their performance, but you improve their um, readiness to perform or even their of their readiness to perform awesome so where did game day priming come from uh well it's been around for a very long time i can remember in the very early 2000s some sevens teams actually used to do a blowout in the morning of sevens tournaments um so what they do is they'd actually go around and do some running and so forth to actually they call it getting the cobwebs out and getting, they thought they would help get their systems going a little bit. That's from the on-field. But in terms of um, priming, it's been around a long time in a lot of different sports. But 
it's probably the last, oh, I'd say 15 and more like 10 years, it's starting to get used in a rugby setting a lot of the time. Um, and look, the New Zealand teams have been using it. A lot of teams in the UK have used it for a long time as well. It's, it's almost becoming the dumb thing, but it's um, some people like it and some don't um, from a coaching point of view, but also from a player's point of view. So it has to be used uh, correctly for each person. Mm. So what was your experience, say, from club rugby, then to tournament rugby, and then to the super rugby? How did that, how did your priming experience change over that time? Okay. Um, yeah, so I've always been a big believer in the players have to know what works for them. And there was a couple of players sometimes um, they were in the academy systems and also working and um, tend to be, I call them twitchy people. Um, so they felt like they wanted to control something on their game day. So we had a gym set up uh, a long time ago. We're going back over uh, yeah, 10 years ago now, even more. And what I'd get them to do, the guys that wanted to do some priming, it would just be some simple step loading on block cleans. So there's no eccentric component that they could drop from the top. Uh, they didn't even have to catch, so they could do some pull cleans. So it was only uh, a small little bike session of like three minutes, four sets of three reps on a block clean, um, and that would be it. It was very, very simple, um, more like a, a, you know, a power warm-up, really. Um, then moving to a tournament setting, so using it when they had four-day turnarounds um, between games. So on that cycle, they could get one strength session done between in the games. Um, some players still wanted to do some um, explosive work. So the explosive work, we would do it in the AM or um, pre-game about four hours to three hours before all the game because we were staying at a hotel. And again, that was a, a light little bike session or and to some skipping and then some uh, single leg activities, some glute activation type of work, some core activation to, um, again, just some cool cleans um, and some clap push-ups, basically. Really, really simple. But they'd walk out feeling bouncy. So that was the idea to get them to bounce out of there because, you know, when you're in a hotel and stuff, you're cooped up. Um, it's a nice to actually go and do something and sometimes get rid of that little bit of nervous tension or feel like your nervous system's um, jumped up. Uh, not everyone did it, but it was really interesting and it's a trend that um, moved on to even, say, the Brumby setting. The guys that did it were probably your better performance or in your more elite people. So it was just interesting... Was that, um, were they good because they did the priming? No, maybe they were good because they left no uh, stone unturned in their prep and probably their performances mattered to them. So they really, really were quite diligent with that as well. So it's almost the mindset of the people that chose to do it was different to the others as well. And they might have been a bit better because they're around their teammates a bit more on game day as well and just being able to just what you talked about get rid of the jitters and if that's a, a technique to get rid of the jitters before playing then yeah definitely definitely try it out yeah it's interesting that you, you've got to be careful there even with that because sometimes you think of people some people want that social bonding point of view 
but um, some people when they're prepped, they want to get be a little bit more introverted as well. So you can't have it just as a group session coming in. You actually have windows of times. So people can come in and um, there's no expectation that they're, they're on that time or with people are doing the same activity of other people. It becomes part of their prep. So the ones that mm. do want a little bit more of that social bonding, they tend to suddenly turn up at the same time together. They do that, get their high fives done, that type of stuff. But the guys that needed that little bit more introverted type of behaviour would come a little bit later and actually be really thorough through their activities. And I normally wouldn't allow headphones in the gym, but for them, yeah, if they wanted that, that's their time for them to inwardly focus because that was part of their process. So even the psychology behind it's really important. It's something mm. I've learned over the years as well. Okay. So the, the most important thing is just really communicating to the coach. Uh, if you're the coach to the athlete, but the athlete to the coach saying, yes, I want to do this priming session, but I sort of want to do it in my own style. And if I'm a bit more introverted, that's what I'm going to do. If I'm more extroverted, then probably line myself up with some of my teammates um, who also want to do that as well. Yeah. Well, the guys that are more socially inclined would come at the front end of the window um, and then also not very rigid, like what I have suggestions of what they do and give them different options um, and allow people to do that as well. And actually some people like to do some simple skill execution work in between their activities as well, whether it's passing and uh, some of the props would actually do some scrum setups and that type of stuff to really, you know, get um, particularly around the, the tight head prop. It's a very, very elite it doesn't. Um, scrum setups and feel comfortable folding into a scrum so, um, on scrum machines while other people wouldn't do that as well. So at first it was uh, structured by me. Then I'd sit back and give people a bit of freedom to explore what they wanted to do. But if it was bordering on uh, that's not quite right and might be um, leading yourself down the wrong track, I'd just have those conversations with them. Mm, that's good. It's really good. So what's the difference between doing a priming session at home compared to doing it away from home? Uh, as in a home game versus away? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, for, for people who um, say for like, let's just look at Super Rugby if they're traveling a bit, but even for a club player, let's say their club's pretty close to them, but then they're playing away and they have to travel a couple of hours and they also want to then see the other grades play as well. So what yeah what's the difference in that and what tips um and strategies can they can you give them yeah so if you're if, if you're at home like you can do what what you need to do if you're away um i'd suggest to find some ways to actually use some things like band and body weight activities um to do that i know for in a covid situation uh, when we actually go go up to sydney we'd actually put barbells and plates and different things on there so that because they were there for an extended period of time and turned part of the team room or a different room next to it where they could do that priming activities. So taking that concept with you where you've got some explosive bands or something like that, skipping ropes, where you can do some work as well. Just And yeah, the more, I guess, in a routine you can make that, the more structured. I'd try that um, before your trial games, doing some stuff. Um, and then try it in your trial games to work out what works best for you and then stick with it by the end of your trial games. It'd have a really good process. Mm. 
for the players who are playing a bit earlier in the day and don't obviously want to sacrifice sleep to wake up to a priming session because it's a bit of counterintuitive what can they do instead is it just maybe doing some stuff prior to the warm-up or doing something when they first wake up or, or something else yeah, it really depends on the window. I've found the best window is within three and a half hours, although it can extend up to six. Um, if you're playing earlier, uh, you, you probably, to be honest, you probably don't need the priming as much because you think of what we're trying to do is priming works really well for afternoon and evening games, right? So we're trying to spike up your testosterone so that it's improved, so the decline is greater than it would have been if you didn't do it. So if you've got some, you know, if you're playing around the 12 o'clock, you might not need that. You really you might not because your, your testosterone and your arousal levels might be fine. But um, you might, if you do want to do it, I'd time it for about three hours. So that might be if your game's at 12, you might do something at around nine in the morning. You could do that potentially at home um, before you drive out. Something that might help you as well. Awesome. So now we're going to move on to sort of what the, the research is saying from a systematic review. And what we're going to do here is, is compare the systematic review back to the experience um, of what we've experienced in the real life, you know, the practical application to it. So there has been a, a systematic review done. So uh, point number one is you want to use moderate to high intensity, low volume resistance training has the greatest effect on strength, power, and speed performance. They're suggesting around three sets of three to four reps, greater than 80% of your one RM, and it's four to six hours prior to competition. Yeah, it's interesting. Could you um, uh, just give people the name of uh, the study and actually the people involved? I um, uh, forget the name of it, but it's by Billy Mason, Andrew McEwen, Kate Pumba, and Nick Ball. So a shout out to them because we do know them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Billy's fantastic. Um, his first ever priming study you know, did on some under 20s players that I had in the academy system. So we actually set up that study. And another one of his studies we did on some under 19s when they were actually in a tournament as well. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting when you look at the systematic reviews because uh, you're looking at priming studies that have used probably heavyweight in a way, right? I've used one time when we've used really heavy rack pulls. And that's, that was fantastic. But they weren't, they couldn't get gym done because they were playing every three days. So on there, they get some strength stimulation and they're really young men. And they appreciated that. From a practical point of view, getting people to do, you know, three to four sets and over 80% of um, one RM, it probably it's not going to fly, you know, in a truly professional time all setting all the time, unless they've, that's what they've done for a long, long period of time. Um, it's just uh, probably, although the research might say really well, it's going to be very, very hard to do in that setting. Mm. And just, just the time to work up to above 80% of your 1RM is going to cause some damage, you, you'd expect. And But it's just taking so much time on, on game day and it's you don't want to be focusing on that. You want to be focusing on your performance, not just gym performance. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because when you look at the research, uh, it, 
they want to look at, um, they're looking at what improved the strength number or a sprint number later. For in the practical world, what we're going to do is what gave them potentially more testosterone, what gave them a sense of confidence, what looked after them from a psychological point of view, not just did we get a physiological improvement in the afternoon, therefore they performed better because mm. that's very, if you're only looking at that performance in the afternoon better, you might be judging them on a five-minute test. But we've got an 80-minute game. So, mm. yeah, they were great for five minutes on the um, tests that you use as your remarker of performance um, as your mimic of, it, say, a game day. So mm. that's the difference between research and applied. So they definitely got the sets and reps right. And obviously four to six hours prior to competition can work. And it's, it's just the above 80% um, result that we're questioning and, and would advise to go lot, much lighter and move with more intent and more max velocity. Yeah. So the idea is you want to feel like you, you're springy and you can sprint when you leave. Okay. Mm. You don't fit well. You don't leave a very heavy gym session feeling like I'm feeling explosive. <laughs> Actually, you usually feel drained. So that's where I look 80%, to be honest, isn't that much when you're elite strength. But you've got to remember through that week, they've looked, they've done a couple of strength sessions. They've looked after that. That's they yeah. don't need that. Stimulus. They've already they've given got, it a big tick. Yeah. So it's a, for them, it's um, not what improves my strength later on it's what improves my total rugby performance mm. so moving on to point number two or result number two so increased repetitions led to decreased performance and required extended recovery times yeah yep it's true <laughs> <laughs> just, just everything we've been talking about so yeah you, you don't want to have these sessions where you got a high volume and getting up to that hypertrophy range where you've just torn some fibers and then you need to recover before you've even played a game. It just, just doesn't make sense. No. Yeah. It's, you should feel good by the end of it. That's, yeah. that's basically it. Yeah. And it should be, uh, you, you might have a light little sweat on, but you think of it as what I like to think of is you've put your body into a, a power plug, switched on the power, boom, everything's a bit more yeah. lit up. You walk out of there a little bit more lit up than when you walk in. That's what yeah. you want to do. You don't want to put your finger in that switch for so long that you burn yourself out. Mm. Yeah, totally. So result number three. So compound movements such as squats and power cleans provide a greater priming response than isolated movements such as, say, like a, a leg extension machine um, when like they're causing less uh, fatiguing effects. If I read yeah. that right now. Uh, yeah, look, you wouldn't be doing leg extensions and all of that. I doubt you'd be. If you're doing anything, you'd be doing hand cleans, snatches, single leg um, hip locks, like in the video that we've done recently. Um, more activation work and maybe a couple of really light power sessions. It might even be a banded bench or a clap push-up, that type of stuff. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, and look, it's more a coordination and nervous system response. It's not an isolating, trying to get a muscle stimulation from that or, or even a, a gain in strength. Mm, totally. So sticking to our compound movements because we're not going to be causing what point number two said, that sort of um, 
tearing of the fibers or anything like that. We're just getting this, the body moving as a system, getting primed and ready, and we, yeah, we're not causing any fatigue. Yeah, I'd say even um, it's compounds interesting. I'd say compound light velocity, non uh, no eccentric based movement. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to point number four is running based strategies are more effective than cycling based strategies. Yeah, you get good at what you practice. So we don't cycle in rugby or in a tennis sport that involves running. Look, um, where cycling would be could be okay is the next day if you're doing an active recovery mm. where you're getting no load on the rest. So um, yeah, and you think of it as well. Um, cycling, there's no, you're not getting, uh, you think of motor units that are explosive for fast explosive movements, running or sprinting would be. Uh, it's more of a power-based movement, which is what we're saying in the, it before. So if you think of cycling, it's getting more down to the endurance or even if you go really hard, more the strength area versus um, so that running based sprinting, that's really light and explosive because you're not going for extended periods of time on that. And you, you can't get rugby players um, to actually do running based movement in the AM on a rugby game as well. That's, that's not going to fly. Mm, which moves on to our next point of short duration. So less than 30 seconds, uh, maximum intensity sprints are recommended. Yeah. Not if you want to keep your job as a strength and conditioning coach. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah. We don't, we don't want to be doing those, those sprints at all in, in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. The amount of warming up that you'd need to actually do that is huge. Like you, you're looking at a 20 minute warm up for a couple of sprints when a whole priming session should be 20 minutes. And that covers more of a full body like an activation priming. Um, if, if you've got a seven cent, that might be okay. Remember you're only playing 40 minute games. Mm. Okay, you might be playing multiple games. Um, but again, yeah, that might be great on day one or day two if you've traveled, but you're not going to be doing that on day three. Day three, you're going to be saving every little bit of energy. And I'd say that even on, on day two, I think you, you're just running a risk, really. Mm. And I think you would, you would get a poor attendance anyway as if you said to athletes yeah we're getting up this morning and we're going to go doing some maximal sprints in the morning before a game day i think they would just be like well what did we do during the week you know we, we did sprint already during the week we've gotten those adaptations we're recovered and we're ready to go you know i think you'd get a yeah poor um attendance yeah and you've got to think re remember in the research setting what they're doing is mimicking an afternoon performance Okay, so they're not doing participating in the game. A lot of the time they're doing a priming session and they're mimicking an afternoon competition. They're not actually involved in the afternoon competition. Mm. They're mm. trying to mimic that environment the best they can because, um, yeah, they, you can't. From a practical, a logical and a logistics point of view, um, it's not a reality or a risk um, that you'd be taking from a coaching point of view. Mm, totally. So the next one is a, is a big emphasis on the first part. So sh sprint based strategies. So not doesn't necessarily mean sprinting. 
improve sprint times and repeat sprint ability five to six hours later. Yeah. So this is where you could do some type of hip block drills, overhead drilling, uh, even skipping activities. And that, that's the sprint based strategy. And look, what's really interesting from this is probably that um, the strength and priming sessions are great when you're doing double days, aren't they? If you manage them well, because in the afternoon you'll get something out of it. So from, is it more mimicking the training setting that most professional teams work in anyway? Yeah. So moving on to the next one. So it says sprint-based interventions are practical, time efficient and require minimal resources. Yeah, but the amount of warming up time as we discussed it, on a game day, I'd, I'd definitely go for the light velocity uh, based gym movements and activation type movements where we're um, just need, not exposing some of the tissue that we're going to be needing later on um, and not burning it out in a, in a way that's unnecessary. Yep, totally. So the specificity of movement compared to the subsequent performance task is important but specific movements must be implemented alongside appropriate loading strategies to optimize the priming effect. Yeah, it's interesting. They're probably leaning more towards the, the strength area there with some of that. Um, but yeah, specificity, um, as we've discussed earlier along, there was how backs and forwards like the majority, 50% of the priming activities are going to be similar, but then they choose some different activities for them as well. So the priming could actually mean some neck stimulation work, scrum positions, uh, hits in scrum position on scrum trucks um, versus backs that might do a lot more hip lock activities some more skipping and some passing activities as well as their, their strength priming. So you also got to think of the psychological benefits, not just the speed and power and performance-based measurements as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting. With one of Billy's studies that we were looking at, um, and we were using some heavier weights at that time, uh, we're looking at um, some testosterone marking saliva stuff, uh, basically, and we used it on a game day as well. We practiced before, so we had half the group doing it on one game day and half the group doing it on the other. So looking at testosterone, cortisol, but uh, an amylase, which is a hormone looking at social bonding and the social bonding one seemed to be the better one as well. So um, yeah, that's, as you mentioned before, that might be part of the reason as well. It's something that the group enjoys and feels mm -hmm. like they're in control of in game day, but that can be also part of your warm up as well. If it's really well structured, is something that you're preparing and being ready for on that game day. So it can add to the arsenal there as well. And also looking at, um, we did some wellness questionnaires, um, although not massive differences, there were people that when they did priming versus not, um, they were psychologically a lot more up and feeling a bit better as well. So, awesome. um, you know, if, if we could do that rather than just even the, performance-based testing, if we're psychologically they're up, well, you know, that's an improvement. You can't get a, a physiological response without a psychological response as well. Awesome. So of all the information and experience provided um, during this episode, 
about game day priming, where should an athlete start? Well, look, you can't prime yourself a performance that you haven't prepared for. So the real start is get the absolute fundamentals of training well through the week, right? So priming is a bit of icing on the cake once you reach those higher levels of performance. It cannot make up for a bad week of um, getting ready, not sleeping well, not eating well, not training, not going to the gym, not putting in big efforts at, at rugby. Okay, so it's um, yeah, you, it, it's sort of like you can't eat cake all week and then eat good food on game day and expect to play well. It's that type of philosophy, really. Mm. So, but for those that have done all of those and they're looking for that little bit more of an edge and from a psychological and a physical point of view. Um, and they're playing later in the day. I'd start with uh, things that do some activation. So you're looking at some skipping activities, some stuff that do, um, does some activations on key elements around your glutes and so forth. And then some really light explosive movements that have very minimal eccentric loads and very little damage. So you might do something like um, a, uh, a hang pull without a rack. Or it could be just a, a, a really light power snatch. Um, could be your activities. There might be some push-ups, clap push-ups, and might even be some medicine ball throwing activities. And that, that could do it. That would be literally a nice little 15 to 20 minute. And if you like, you could even add some ball skills or whatever your primary role is in rugby that you need to be good at. That's an activity that you can do. If you're a halfback, you could do some... Uh, really low to high bands um, in a lunging position to actually feel confident in that position as well. Just finish off with something that's more specific to your key role in your sport. Mm. Yeah, I really like that. It's making sure you're getting your, your routine throughout the week perfect. So you're training hard, you're showing up to training, you're eating, you're sleeping, recovery, and then doing the game day and priming just to add some icing on the cake. So if athletes can't do the game day priming on game day, is it beneficial to do it before? Um, say if they're playing on a Saturday, is it beneficial to do it on a Friday? Look, there has been some research into that and saying, yeah, it does help. And for, and that's for um, some people it does. And if we, people that haven't seen the video that we did together, your um, basically training session that you provided for your players was them leading into season with an activity that they could do on the Friday, even though they are going to be playing Saturday. So, yep, they, it's sometimes 24 hours later, uh, earlier, people have been using a priming activity. And you can make that really a lot more related to your sport that way as well. But um, just understand that don't suddenly bring it in. I'd introduce it slowly and trial it in your um, trial games as well. That would be the key. Or even have some trial it and then do some mimicking rugby the next day where you have a decent session to see if you felt better from it or worse from it as well. You can mimic mm. like a really good hour physical session out on a rugby field to see if you're confident we're doing it 24 hours prior. Yep, awesome. So definitely check out our YouTube video of the original, which is the whole body gym session. And then also um, listen to our previous podcast episode. Um, you can watch it on YouTube, which is a bit more beneficial because you do get to see our nice pretty faces as well. 
<laughs> That's probably not the benefit. I think maybe seeing the exercises is what you're <laughs> leaning at. <laughs> yeah. So we do have a fan question. So please make sure to everyone listening to this that you can send in your questions and we'll try and answer one to two per podcast episode. So James McDermott, who is an athlete who does listen to the podcast and I also train. Um, this is completely off topic from what we just talked about, but what are some supplements that will help performance for rugby athletes? Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to lean to let's get your nutrition right. But there are some things that will help. So if you're uh, particularly, say, at the end of gym sessions and field sessions, um, and it's going to be a little bit of time before you actually eat a proper meal and you're thinking the academy or club system, uh, that's when you like have a piece of fruit there, have some high-protein yogurt. If you can't do that, have a um, piece of fruit, fruit, some really good hydration, and that's where you might use a protein shake. That would help you there. But um, in terms of actual um, supplements, you might find that if you're a cramper, that's where you, you they can help as well. If you're having a lot more electrolytes on the game day and the magnesium, and then um, that type of stuff can be really beneficial for those people that are cramping. But in general, you, you, you can't use supplements that are out um, to a bad diet. So you've really mm. got to get your diet done quite well there. But there are little things like that, using the protein after gym sessions and stuff that, you know, there's lots of research that says that does work. Mm, totally. And I think it's the, the best one is just make, yeah, making sure that you have some food available after your training sessions because I do know some athletes who traveled around, say, 30 minutes up to an hour, and that's a long time between getting home then, well, if you're going to have a shower or you have to actually prepare dinner, just having something in your belly and getting absorbed and getting used is going to be really beneficial to start that recovery process, get some adaptations, and then, um, yeah, before having then your main meal of food after that session. Yeah, yeah. Agree. So please refer to the show notes as well, because the infograph and study that we just referred to is in the show notes. So if you want to have a bit more dive into it and, and read it yourself, um, definitely visit the links down below. But any closing thoughts, Ben, before we wrap up? No, just keep a, a lookout or if you make sure you jump on, I think we're going to give uh, uh, similar bonus content will actually involve um, some priming and some really good ideas and reasoning for it and some a couple of examples as well. So just get, jump on the email that would link in the our Instagram and you'll get that type of information in the future. Yeah, yeah, definitely get onto our email, um, everyone, because, yeah, we've got some free, free bonus content that's only available uh, for the email. So thanks for tuning in for another episode of Elite Rugby SNC podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and rate Elite Rugby SNC on Spotify and YouTube, and make sure to follow us on Instagram. Sign up and become a beast today via the link in our description or via our Instagram page. Also, sign up to our newsletter and receive bonus free content each and every single week. So don't wait, make a good decision, and join Elite Rugby SNC today and take your game to the next level. So thanks, everyone, and thank you, Ben. Yeah, thanks, Kieran. Great episode. Good fun.